even though Lent is a solemn, somber time with dark colors and dark music and warnings to stay on the straight and narrow, the Scriptures today bubble over with encouragement with God and God's love. The psalm and the epistles say, Be strong and courageous, stand firm, and wait patiently for the Lord, because He is our light and our salvation. Then the gospel has Jesus weeping over Jerusalem because of His great love for humanity, longing to gather us in His arms like a mother hen gathers her chicks under her wings. But the best of all was that story from Genesis about Abram with stars in the sky and animals cut in half and a smoking fire pot and a blazing torch. And some of us are thinking, what? Well, aren't you glad I'm not going to act that one out today? Okay? But this particular passage is a treasure chest of God's love. If we will just pick the lock and open it up and dig down through the treasure to find what God has for us. The first part of the story is easy. God spoke to Abram three chapters ago in Genesis and promised him that, he, that the whole world would be blessed through Abram's descendants. Now, the, the hitch in that story is that Abram doesn't have any descendants yet, and he's 75 years old. So today, when God comes back to Abram, makes him that same promise, Abe's not real happy about it because he still doesn't have any kids, and he's in his mid-80s. So he's beginning to wonder what's going on, and he cries out to God, since you haven't given me any children yet, one of my servants is going to inherit all that I have, which is a not-so-subtle dig that God ain't doing what he promised. God responds, no, Abram, no. Your servant is not going to be your heir. You are going to have a son. You are going to have a son. Go outside. Look in the heavens. Count the stars if you can. You're going to have that many descendants. And Scripture says, Abram believed the Lord, and he credited it to him as righteousness. Something about God's promise touched Abram, and he believed it. He said, yes, Lord. And God declared him righteous. Now, righteous does not mean perfect. Righteous does not mean always doing the right thing. Righteous means being in right relationship with God. God declared Abram righteous, which means that although Abram is still human, still imperfect, still a sinner, still not righteous in everything he does, God says, because you believe in me, our relationship with each other is everything it's supposed to be, which makes you righteous. We're friends. You, Abram, are my friend. Now, this story is a landmark of faith because it shows that our being right with God is not determined by what we do or what we know, but rather by whom we know, and that would be God himself. See, our part is to listen to God, to do what he says, believe what he says, and accept his offer to be his friend. That's what makes us righteous, not what we do. God says to Abram, because you believe me, you and I are okay. You get the God housekeeping seal of approval, and then God promises Abram that you get the whole land of Canaan. Now, if Abram had just said thank you and gone home, everything would have been okay. But no, Abram, who just two verses ago believed God and he was declared righteous, says, uh, how do I know you're really telling me the truth? 
And God's reply to us doesn't make any sense to us. He says, bring me a heifer, a goat, and a ram, and a dove, and a pigeon. Now, here in the 21st century, we're thinking, okay, they did animal sacrifices back in the Old Testament, so maybe Abram is supposed to do some kind of offering thing. But Abram doesn't do the usual sacrificial barbecue bit. Instead, he cuts the big animals in half, lays the pieces out next to each other, kills the birds but don't cut the, doesn't cut them in half, and then he spends the rest of the afternoon chasing away buzzards until the sun goes down and a deep, dreadful darkness descends upon him. Now, most of us probably checked out of this story somewhere around he cut the animals in half. Ew! But stick with me here because this episode comes alive with just a little bit of background history. Now, in the ancient Near East, kings and their subjects had an agreement called a king's covenant. Now, in the king's covenant, the king promised to protect his citizens, and each citizen promised to obey the king, to pay their taxes, and to serve in the army if a war broke out. Now, as usual, the king got the better end of the deal. As with all covenants, there was a ceremony and a sign to seal the deal. And in a king's covenant, the citizen would take an animal, cut it in half, lay the halves outside, and walk in between the halves. And the king would say, if you don't serve me, if you don't obey me, if you don't pay your taxes, I will do to you what you did to that animal. Oh. Now, I'm not making this thing up. The same thing shows up later in the Bible, and the passage is in your sermon notes page in your bulletin, where God says, the men who have violated my covenant and have not fulfilled the terms of the covenant they made before me, I will treat like the calf they cut in two, then walk between its pieces. The leaders of Judah and Jerusalem, the court officials, the priests, and all the people of the land who walked between the pieces of the calf I will hand over to their enemies who seek their lives. Their dead bodies will become food for the birds of the air and the beasts of the field. Youch! Kings meant business back then. And maybe we don't have it so bad today because if you don't pay your taxes, not even the IRS is going to cut you in half. So now let's go back to Abram. In the light of this little bit of trivia, God promises children... Abram believes, and he's declared righteous, okay? And then God promises Abram's descendants this land, and Abram, who just two verses ago believed and was declared righteous, says, okay, God, how do I know you're really telling me the truth? And God says, go get some animals. Abram didn't need a history lesson. He knew what that meant. And he knew that he was in deep trouble, trouble. Now, imagine what's going on in his mind as he spends the hours it would take to cut a cow, a sheep, and a goat in half without a chainsaw. And as he slops through all of this, he's thinking, oh man, why couldn't I have kept my mouth shut? And he's got his heart in his throat, and he's wondering how he's ever going to keep this promise to be perfectly faithful to a perfect God, and holding in his hands the grisly foretaste of what's going to happen to him if he doesn't. 
And even after he cuts the animals in half and lays the pieces side by side, he doesn't walk between them. Can you blame him? He waits. He waits for God to speak. He waits until dark. And a deep dread comes upon him and wondering, waiting for God to say something or to say, okay, Abram, walk between the pieces because if not, or else. And finally, just after dark, God speaks. Your descendants will be slaves in a foreign country. And Abram thinks, oh, no, not my kids. They don't even exist yet, and they're already suffering for my sin. And God says, but I will punish that nation, and your children will come out with great possessions. And Abram opens an eye, thinks, okay, at least they survive. And God continues, and as for you, you're going to die in peace at a ripe old age. And Abram's thinking, hmm, this is... This, this is not so bad. And God says, this land is going to belong to your children. And Abram ventures a smile, thinking, okay, we're back where we started before I shot my mouth off. I, I think I can handle this. I, I think I'm ready to walk. Because the promises of God are worth the cost of commitment. But before Abram can take his first step, a smoking fire and a burning torch pass between the halves of the dead animals. You see, God doesn't ask Abram to walk. God walks between the pieces. Did you get that? God himself walks between the pieces, which means God is saying, Abram, if you don't obey, if you don't serve me faithfully, if you don't keep your end of the bargain perfectly, I will do to myself what you did to those animals. Did you catch that? If you don't obey, if you don't serve me faithfully, if you ever sin, Abram, I will do to myself you did to those animals. I will pay the penalty for your un faithfulness. God promises himself as the offering for Abram's sin. God kept that promise. As Jesus, God did to himself what Abram did to those animals. He allowed his body to be split by the lash, nailed to a cross, pierced with a spear for Abram's sin, but not for Abram's sin only, but for the sin of the whole world. Because God's covenant with Abram was not with Abram alone. It was with Abram and his wife and his children and all the descendants he would ever have, not just by blood, but also by faith. And then that means anyone, anywhere, anytime who believes God like Abram did, which would include us as we trust God, like Abram did, as we say yes to God, as Abram did, as we believe God, as Abram did, God declares us righteous just as he did Abram. And God's promise to Abram become promises to us 
as us. As we, along with Abram, become God's friends and God's beloved children. And not only do we inherit the promise to Abram, we are the fulfillment of that promise. We are part of that starry sky full of descendants that Abram had that God promised. You see, God keeps His promises. Now, on the other hand, when we rupture that relationship, and that happens when we hurt God or anyone else by what we've done or left undone, when we rupture our relationship with God, God is still with us. He's there for us, just as He was with Abram when Abram faltered. And when we blow it like Abram did, when we doubt God's goodness, when we question His timing, when we suspect His motives, when we accuse Him of mistreating us and not keeping His promises, when we are unfaithful or forgetful, God is still faithful. Always ready to forgive us, always inviting us back into relationship with Him, and He never does to us what Abram did to those animals. Because Abram didn't walk between the pieces. God did. On the cross, God did to Himself what Abram did to those animals. He loves us that much. Let's love Him back. Let's believe God and let Him declare us righteous. And let's accept His sacrifice on the cross for us and say yes to Jesus, to say, yes, Jesus, you died for me, I will live for you.